always late, but never well on time. That's that we never finish on time. We say we're going to take an hour, and then we and, never do. And What's now we're going to go in later? There's like zero people. What, what, what am I thinking of? Oh, never on time, but worth the wait. Yeah, that's the one. That's what when when we get one person, I'm going to say that. When we when we get our when we get our first viewer of the night, yeah, we didn't uh, we didn't promote this at all. I did a poor job. I remembered it like thirty minutes ago, Vito. Hey, like, we've oh, been, shit. We've been doing it consistently on Mondays. I think everybody knows there was no selection Monday. It all happened yesterday, so there's this is a good time. Um, one okay, one person's watching, so I'm gonna say it. Yes, we were late, but we're worth the wait. I hate it. I'm gonna I, get a, I'm gonna get a tattooed on a tramp stamp though. Oh, there are so much better places to get tattoos. Yes, I call them tattoos, like from Bob's Burgers. <laughs> I hate. I love. I love that actually specifically. Stop calling it tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vito, a lot happened in a week. There's I a think lot of sports is- that happened, but what what we everyone expected happened as well. Yes, it, it, the the thing that we have been alluding to for the past when did we start this show? Because we mentioned it on the first time that we did the roundup, so oh, it's it was, been what six weeks? Well, yeah, I think the first one we did was probably early to mid January. Yeah, damn. So uh, finally, the uh, the the mag- is it the Magnus Magna Opus? What is it? Yeah, the, something the, like the coup that. Coup de Gras has finally happened. Um, but we'll we'll get to that too in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vito, how's it going? How's it, how's life treating you? It is swell. You know what? It's the week before I go on two week vacation to Italy. So there we go. Gonna have yeah, so much pizza, to... pasta, and wine, and then you guys won't have me. It'll just be the Steeg show. I think Steeg I'm playing and in the special right guests. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the other side, but yeah, well, to someone's point of view, it is correct. I'm I'm over here compared to where Vito is over here. Or there. Yep. Or up or down, depending depending on what it is. But Steve's going to have some really special shows for you with some special guests. I know some of the th- things that he's been planning, and uh, it's going to be great. One would say, maybe I don't even need to return because Steve just has great guests on. No, you need. I need you. You're <laughs> you're my sounding board to make sure I don't do stupid shit. I will get us in trouble next week. This will be hilarious. <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited. I'm going to find out abroad because it'll be like 5 a.m not not 5 2 a.m five hours ahead where i'm at okay so just real quick before we actually get into sports so we like we lost an hour right daylight saving times happen here so the, when, when i go to italy it's going to be f- plus five hours that's normal then the 26th of march they have daylight savings time and jumps forward an hour so then i'm going to be plus six from the u.s crazy that's stupid but also, I love that. I, I love that for you. I love that for your body to just a- accumulate to an hour's change like three times. I I don't understand. I don't. I, I hope it never. I, we're just gonna always say like, hey, maybe maybe we won't do this anymore to continuously keep doing it. It's just like us in the hamster wheel. Um. Anyway, so it's, Steve, <laughs> actually specifically, that's us with USF athletics. <laughs> just over <laughs> and over and over. So we have our first sport. That is complete for the season since we've started this, and that would be men's basketball. Steeg, what happened to men's basketball? Well, they lost, they lost last Thursday uh, to officially end their season. Uh, they lost to ECU 73-58 to to bring their record to a 14-18 and 7-12 and in the conference, which isn't good. 
And as a result, mm. uh, the University of South Florida and uh, Michael Kelly decided to make a change uh, at the head coaching position for USF. Uh, so it was announced uh, Friday that uh, sometime in the afternoon, I don't remember when, that they would be uh, relieving Brian Gregory of his duties. I think they gave it like a very uh, like formal how do you do uh, way. I, I know we mentioned in someone mentioned it in the Slack that if like did it have an effect on or not the Slack in the uh, in the Discord? You know, hey, did this did the way that they say this they they parted ways with Brian Gregory? Did that have any impact on uh you know what happened behind the scenes or anything? No, it's just a very nice way of putting it. If you're writing that article, you're not putting has been fired because it just sounds so much more like aggressive. Mm-hmm. So it's it's parted ways. I, I always wonder in these situations if there was like some sort of like, d- does no one really know until the end? Or is there some sort of like, sp- like something that happens like, okay, if, if X, Y, and Z don't happen, then, you know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, usually, usually it's, it's pretty metric driven um, mm-hmm. to, to a certain extent, but it's also kind of the, and I'm going to sound like an idiot here. It's also the vibes of it. Like, I, I have a feeling if USF had beat ECU and then made like a good run against Houston, you you probably think on your hands a little bit more. You you're probably not as willing to pull the trigger. Um, but a, a loss to that magnitude, where USF was leading for uh, uh, with ten, or excuse me, was leading by ten points in the first half to trail how much they did uh, at halftime and then end up, um, you know, trailing as much as 20 points kind of put the nail in the coffin uh, under Brian Gregory's tenure Um, here at at the daily stampede. And at the roundup, we will say this to we're blue in the face. Um, Brian Gregory, very nice guy. Mm -hmm. One of the nicest coaches that I've had the pleasure of interacting with uh, in real life uh, at media scrums at whatever one of the nicest men, one of the nicest individuals I've had the pleasure of working alongside at USF. Um, truly a good man. Just couldn't win enough on the basketball court, unfortunately. It's it's a lot of similarities between Jeff Scott and and, and Brian Gregory there. Um, but yeah, nothing notable happened in the in the basketball game. There's nothing more to talk about there. So we're going to talk about the coaching search because that's what uh, people are paying the good money for at this point. Before I pass the ball to you on that one, there's just one stat I want to talk about. We had a, Steve did a really great write up here, and he was said, you know, what? we don't need to talk about this. It doesn't matter. Um, they shot 36 percent from the field, 29 percent from three, and guess what? 87 percent from free throws. You know what? We always said, hey, if you cr- if you got that your free throw percentage, it's like 70 percent or above. You're probably winning half the games you lost. Well, they shot 87 percent. And lost 73 to 58. So what the hell do we know? (laughs) Yeah, clearly we don't know anything. Um, And great segue. Uh, When we get into this, I'm going to preface this that I know we know some things. We know a good bit of things. We know some tendencies. But this thing is being kept very, very close guarded to Michael Kelly, to Lee Butler, to the decision makers within the university. Um, there's a lot of hearsay. There's a lot of, you know, Twitter Twitter is just running amok with this stuff right now. Um, so there's a lot of hearsay. So we're trying to filter out the noise that we hear from the internet versus what we hear from reliable sources and trying to piece this all together. Um, frankly, we have some good ideas on who they might be targeting for this, uh, for, the, for the vacant head coaching position for the basketball team. But at the same time, from what I have understood, uh, they haven't even 
begun scheduling interviews yet. So they're probably in the very beginning stages of vetting um, potential candidates. We still don't know if they're going to use a search firm. I would be, I'd be kind of surprised if they did with how well connected, um, you know, a, a few people are within athletics administration. Um, but you know, they, they still have the option to use this search firm. They still, you know, for, unfortunately, and I, I think this is probably, you know, a, a safe assumption for most people. Um, you know, we owe Ryan Gregory $3 million right now. Um, that's a lot of pasta. They, that's a lot of pasta. They, they restructured his buyout accordingly when they did the extensions a couple of years ago, but dudes owed money because he won a CBI tournament and dudes owed money. So, you know, you got to make do and you got to pay the bills first before you can start paying another guy. So I, I, I've heard that financials are uh, something that is something to keep an eye on during this process. Um, but uh, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Uh, just something you'll hear in the background a lot. So knowing what we know, which isn't a lot, um, we know that there are some traits, uh, some certain you know, the, 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 obviously at, uh, Michael Kelly at the helm here is putting a lot of leverage and putting a lot of eggs in this basket. He's got to get the football coach, right. He's got to get the basketball coach, right. We thought we had it right with football. And this is the first time that Michael Kelly gets to, uh, make a, make a choice here with, uh, men's basketball. So we'll see how that kind of transpires at the end of the day, but History kind of lends to thinking that USF is going to lean towards looking towards uh, an assistant at a uh, power university to uh, take the role uh, for men's basketball coach. But that doesn't mean that they're only exclusively looking at um, those assistant coaches at like a, a powerhouse school, like a, you know, a, a Kentucky, a Kansas, a Duke, whatever. But at the same time, you know, the pool of candidates, uh, when you look at the mid-majors, uh, so, you know, when you look around the mid-major schools that qualify for the NCAA tournament, the Colgates, the Charlestons, or College of Charlestons, the Furmans, a lot of those guys are going to get very high suitors. They're going to get the schools that have a lot of money. And this is where foreshadowing kind of comes in. There's a lot of money at these bigger schools. And USF doesn't quite have the money to keep up with, you know, maybe going after a Bob Ritchie at, at Furman or, um, you know, maybe looking at a Frank Martin from UMass. Um, but for the most part, they'll they'll err on one of the two sides of that. But ultimately, the main trait that they're looking for is head coaching experience. That's kind of the, the, the trait that's been floated around the most. And uh, I think that's something that we've heard from five different people at this point, including some of our more reliable sources. So uh, I, I think it's fairly safe to say that they want someone with head coaching experience, whether it's recent, whether it's last season, whatever it needs to be. Um, there's some other traits, you know, they, they want, you know, a guy that recruits well in the state of Florida, but you can't be exclusive to that. You want a guy that's maybe knows the area pretty well, but you can't be exclusive with that. Um, so that that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, I would say you can probably put a circle around every single assistant coach within the Atlantic Coast Conference and make them a potential candidate for the job because Michael Kelly and Lee Butler both come from the ACC, um, more specifically the ACC basketball realm of things. So I think you can safely assume any assistant at an ACC school is viable for this job right now. Um, some other more individual names that we have heard uh, are Chris Capco who is the current uh, 
Southern Cal associate head coach. So not assistant head coach, associate head coach. He is a former USF player. Um, Colin Sherwin, the the founder or one of the founders of the Daily Stampede is a uh, good buddies and knows him well. So that'd be cool. Um, a few others that we've kind of just had heard or uh, just tossed around is uh, Charlton C.Y. Young, who is the Mizzou assistant. He was the former Georgia Southern head coach. Uh, so he has experience there. He was the Florida State uh, associate head coach for a little bit. Um, so he was there with Leonard Hamilton for about nine years. So he really knows the state of Florida well and helped with that turnaround. Um, another name, Frank Martin. Uh, Frank Martin was a name that was very popular last year. He has uh, good buddies with Jose Fernandez, our women's basketball coach. You could probably safely assume that he is very interested in this job as well because you want to go with your buddy and, uh, you know, you want to get those Miami guys together. Um, and then uh, a name that I have heard just floated around once or twice is Bob Ritchie, who is that Furman head coach. Um, he's probably going to be the more difficult reach candidate at this point because I think there's going to be a lot of schools that are going to be vying for him. Um, he's turned around a pretty barren Furman program and turned them into a uh, a little bit of a basketball powerhouse there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to have a lot of suitors, and there's a lot of good open openings that he could probably jump to that doesn't include coming down to Florida. Right. And and as great as uh, the facilities here at USF is, um, USF's conference is at least somewhat becoming more winnable now, but it's also becoming less talented overall i mean you're losing houston you're losing the number one team in the country losing cincinnati you're losing a a a powerhouse uh program there and then um a school in orlando so you know you're you're losing a a little bit of credibility um i think usf or i think the american ended up being like eighth in ken palm rankings last year for conferences so you know and this is much like in football this is you're seeing where your uh, shortlist ends up or who who has you on your shortlist now that you're in a brand new conference setup. So doing it now versus waiting a year until you see what that conference ends up being. Now granted, you're bringing guys like in like a UAB, FAU just had a really great year um, if they can keep their coach. Um, even like uh, North Texas has had some good years recently um, to where, I mean, it's not the same. Don't get me wrong. You're not replacing Houston and Cincinnati, but there could be a little bit of a jump there. So, I mean, I like Chris Gavko, liked him here at USF, worked really, really hard. If he really wants to come here as the head job, that would be awesome. I mean, um, do you think that any, just to talk to you, Steve, do you think that style of play matters or recruiting matters or is this just someone who, let's get someone with experience who can who is uh, who can build a program much like um, Alex Golesh when they hired him uh, for football? Right. It This one kind of seems like it, in basketball, at least it's, it's someone who is going to be able to weather the storm. Um, you really want someone that's, that understands what they're about to walk into. Um, and I mean this in the nicest way possible because this person, whomever the next head coach is going to be, is going to walk into a shit storm. You know, you're, you've got six guys graduate. You got seven guys that you have to basically replace. You got three guys on the, um, on your, uh, national letter of intent that, they can request off at any point because USF fired their head coach. Um, but you have, you know, three guys, but then you also have to go right back into the portal. And you also have guys that are going to be leaving USF, uh, you know, for the portal and someone who understands how that portal is going to work. And so mm-hmm. a lot of, I have been seeing the Rick Patino stuff. I, I don't think a guy like Rick Patino would, would fix USF right now. 
maybe five years ago, Rick Pitino could fix what has happened at USF because that was a completely different era of basketball. But Rick Pitino is damn near 80. Rick Pitino has been used to recruiting guys from high school off of name and off of stature. And now he has to go back through and recruit and basically turn over an entire roster at the same time as everything else. And, oh, yeah, you're on a very quick you know, time block there. And that's not even speaking to the, the legal side of that. <laughs> well, and, and also it's really looking like St. John's is a suitor for him. And if you can go to the Big East, then you go to the Big East. I mean, I don't see any reason to come here whatsoever, unless for whatever reason there wasn't any suitors. Um, right. I, I look at, I just look at, look at the roster. And it's like guys like Ryan Cromwell, who had a pretty good, or Conwell had a really good year. I wonder if he was hurt. He only played 19 minutes on last Thursday. It doesn't really matter, but you look at the roster and, you never know who's going to hit the portal in basketball. I think you mentioned in discord, like expect more than half the roster turnover at a lot of these schools too. It just kind of happens that way. And sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse, you don't really know. It all just depends on who they bring in, but take your time, get the right guy, figure out what makes the most sense and to do it again. Right. Exactly. Hey, look, this is going to be very familiar to what's going on with the uh, football. Funny how, when you fire your uh, football coach and your basketball coach at the same time, you get very similar storylines. Um, I did just add one more name to the list. Um, this is a name that is kind of getting tossed around every once in a while. Um, most fights. He is an AAU coach over in St. Pete. Um, he, how it was put to me was that this would be the equivalent of hiring Deion Sanders, um, a very flashy name, someone that really resonates, uh, well with kids, um, but doesn't quite have that division one coaching experience that they're looking for. Um, but would very quickly fill seats. Um, not to make a bold comparison by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but if Penny Hardaway was able to do uh, what he did at uh, Memphis with not a lot of experience in Division One coaching and doing that right away, and if we're patient enough, you know that might be able to pay off. Especially getting a guy that does uh, have such a name in the AAU circuit. Mm-hmm. But just another name to watch. Um, again, a local guy. Uh, he's I, I think he's worked at Gibbs uh, High School for a little bit as well. So. You know, just a couple names to watch, but really, I mean, you they might pull a rabbit out of their ass at this point. We truthfully have no idea where they are at, what they're going to be doing. And Michael Kelly does not leave any tea leaves anywhere. That man is gone in a flash. He'll leave at two o'clock in the morning and come back at 6 a.m. And so I can't track flights. It's really annoying. And, and, he, and he probably knows that I know that. And you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Uh, so like you said, a lot of the Twitter stuff, you can see it. You can kind of put your list on. And the one thing that I just always feel like we need to get out in front of, if a name isn't on the list that you said, it doesn't mean that they were the, you know, number six, number seven, number eight choice. It just turns out that that was a choice we that nobody else saw that was right there, especially in basketball. It's really hard to track these things. because It's not like, oh, you know, look at a team. Oh, their offense is really, really good. Let's look at their coordinator. It's like a lot of that, a a lot of the way that coaching works, especially as a head coach with a smaller roster, it could be a lot of different factors and how good a team is. And it's not like you can pick out who the best teams were in college basketball and pick an assistant. It'll be work out great. Look what Orlando Antigua did. (laughs) You you don't, you don't just go to Kentucky and pick an assistant and say it's going to work as that's nothing against Orlando Antigua or any assistant coaches like that, but that's just basketball is such a different game than football. In right. that sense, which is why it's like when someone mentioned style, it's like, I don't think that really matters. You bring somebody in who can coach and then you kind of figure it out. Right. You know, I, I do think that they'll, again, this is Michael Kelly's first shot at this. Um, 
you know, they're, they're going to be calculated with it. They're, they're going to be patient with it. They have no reason to, frankly, they have no reason to rush it. Like, let's be honest. The portal is going to be open for a while. The portal is going to be running rampant for the entire month of March. If they need to replace players, they can replace players. It's perfectly fine. I mean, that's what's going to happen anyways. You know, I, I would. I yeah, wish it was just, that easy. It was just, it's just, hey, we need guys who could shoot. You know what? Guys who can shoot and, and shoot free throws and play defense and come to USF. But yes, that that's true. I mean, if you had three Tyler Harris's on this team, lot 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 uh, could have changed. All right, so we talked about men's basketball. Let's talk about the women. So I was. Shocked. I love that millennial pause they just gave that. Like that was very I, very I, dramatic. I wanted to, I wanted to say like. <sighs> I hate saying disappointing or upsetting or frustrating because the women had such a great year and you you ran into a buzzsaw and you played probably your worst game all season. So I couldn't really figure, figure out a better transition. So I just paused, but I didn't get to watch this game because I was at work and I just thought in my head, and this is just me being, you know, a knucklehead. I was just thinking, oh, it'll be fine no matter what happens. And then I saw at what, what the score was at halftime and then our friend Ryan T. Smith texts us saying, what is going on? And I looked at the score and went, what is going on? And let me tell you, Stieg, this was not, this was, I, I haven't seen a performance like this in a long time. USF shot 18% from three-point range, four for 22. They knocked two threes in the second quarter, one three in the third, and one three in the fourth. And Sammy Puises, who, uh, had a monster game against Cincinnati was over 10 from uh, field goals or over 10 from the field at over six from three point range. Just how, how does that even happen? Was it like Fort worth court, like slanted, like what's going on here? Uh, and likewise, cold. Wichita state came in, shot 47% from the, from the field, 46% from three point range. And, and that included 50%, three of six in the second quarter and two of three in the third. And they just were on fire. I, it happens. You just really hope it doesn't happen in the conference tourney, but it happened. Yeah, shit happens. Uh, I did say uh, that this 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 American Athletic Conference tournament just felt like karma, just throwing itself at USF fans for talking the amount of shit that they did against uh, that. We all did against Kim McNeil uh, from ECU having that discussion last week. I didn't talk nothing. I said she was a very accomplished coach and did a really, really good job, but I still thought Jose should have won it. But then she went on and won the AAC and is now in the NCAA tournament. USF losing turned this into a two-bid league that it likely probably wasn't going to be. Right. Which is wild. So a uh, galaxy brain move by uh, Jose, in my opinion, to make this a two-bid league because and frankly – yeah, I mean, now now the American gets more money from the uh, NCAA tournament for having two participants. So you know, just look at that. You know, I think I think I I, I think someone like leading into the game said like, you know, what happens if USF loses this game? Does this affect their seating? And I mentioned this in in um, our, our our talk track here. It frankly, seven the seven seed was the highest they were going to get. They, they weren't going to get much higher than that. Like looking at the NCAA tournament, how they seeded teams, uh, a, a, what is considered to be a mid-major program um, like that was not going to get much higher than they were. And so to me, an eight seed is very fair for them. Um, 
I would even say, and I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, I think like an eight, nine is almost more of a punishment than being dropped to like a 12. <laughs> like, cause that's always the toughie, especially when you're in the number one, uh, the tournament, number one seed South Carolina's region. So then you play them second. And the hardest thing for USF has always been, they get this eight, nine. And if they win that first game, they run into a buzzsaw, which again, you can't, the South Carolina is a elite team, historically elite team. You can't expect to beat them. Can't expect to really hang with them. But as was said before, we do have a game before that. They do play Marquette on Friday at 1130 in the morning. So if you guys are around, watch that game, see what happens. Uh, Last year was also a similar 8-9 game where they played Miami of Florida and they lost that game. So if uh, they get Marquette and they're going to need to play a really, really good game against a good Marquette team who's played a a good team or a good uh, Big East schedule. We might uh we might be doing something special for that game, but um mm-hmm. we'll 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 stay tuned on that. Um, that's what we call a teaser, a little little teasing action. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mar- Marquette's not a, a a pushover by any stretch of the imagination either. So this is you know something to watch. They ended up being um thirteen and seven in conference in a very tough Big East um that includes both Creighton and UConn women's basketball. Uh, twenty one and ten overall. Um, they're a pretty solid program this year. Um, again, seated very, very fairly, uh, looking at the, uh, you know, the hot money and where everything's going and how things are being, uh, you know, projected. Um, a lot of it's kind of going back and forth between USF and Marquette. I think this is probably one of the more difficult eight, nine matchups because USF didn't do well in their previous outing and, uh, Marquette had to play UConn and their previous outing. And there's just a lot of, a lot of variability there. Um, I, I have been seeing more of the uh, trends going towards Marquette here. Uh, and I, again, I think that's fair. I think Marquette is a very solid program. They have a very good coach this year. Um, they have a few uh, all conference players as well. So uh, the, Marquette's not going to be a walkover uh, pushover by any stretch of the imagination. And then of course you, um, you know, you win that game and you know, you can pat yourself on the back and start packing your bags when you uh, get back to the hotel after uh, when you head back to the uh, you know, team issued hotel and just you know get ready to get your butt whoops uh, against South Carolina, I like to believe. But yes, they'll need to play their A game. Eleven thirty is really early, and what the game at the the, uh, the game against Wichita State was at noon. I'm not you know certain if any earlier. At least you're on the East Coast still. But uh, there was six games between Cincinnati uh, that went against Cincinnati and the conference tournament. I'm not sure if that meant anything, just like uh, they had a long break between SMU and when they lost to Houston. So sometimes those breaks may, you know, matter for some teams more than others. That's just something to look at. So now you have another six days. Wait, uh, to what is Friday? Okay, yeah, you're going to have 16 days between games. So that's a lot. Well, not 16 days. Hold on. Honestly? Schedule uh, call uh, yeah. call University of Tampa or call local women's basketball programs in, in South Carolina or anything like that and 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 schedule scrimmage. I, I have <laughs> I, someone did that. Uh, Gonzaga did that. Gonzaga scheduled like a, a game against like Chicago State, like because West Coast the the WCC did a did that really weird bracket mm-hmm. right and so gonzaga didn't play for like 12 days yeah play an actual game for 12 days so they so, swapped it so they, yeah, they so could they, play something just to get 
uh, another game on the books. And that, that yeah. sometimes is important. I mean, you know, b- basketball is one of those weird sports. It's really good. Like in these tournament situations, if you get hot, you can ride that momentum through. Um, so when you're not, and yeah, again, you just have an ice cold game and you can't, and your defense uh, can't stop the other team offensively or defensively rather. It just, it happens. And again, it sucks. It's in the conference tournament. You don't want that to happen. Still won the regular season. You got an eight seed, which is fine, but go ahead and figure out how to come out strong against Marquette. I would still consider this a good year if they could win Marquette considering, but um, it does think that UConn leaves and you think that you have the, 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 the ability to be the new, to, to, to be that new top tier team uh, that first year you do, you win the double second year. You don't third year, you win the regular season, but you don't win the conference tournament. Um, but hats off to ECU again, karma for uh, talking, talking smack about uh, ECU's Kim McNeil winning the uh, coach of the year award, I guess. <laughs> Oops. Whoopsie daisies. Oh, uh, well um, yeah. So we'll look for that on, on Friday. Um, something to watch, but yeah. It's a, it's, I think it's a successful season one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and more to come. If you're able to watch the game, uh, wherever you're at at work or at home, there might be something exciting that will, uh, will tease. Yeah. Proper tease. Um, and then, uh, and halfway through the show, halfway through our hour long thing and we're two sports in, we're blazing through, um, rep fire we'll- tennis. Rapid fire Rapid tennis, fire. pickleball, uh, uh, men's tennis. Uh, they should move up in the rankings. They're still ranked number 64 in the ITA. Uh, they are eight and nine on the year. They had a doubleheader sweep over the weekend, which was fantastic to see. So that will definitely help them move up the rankings. Needed it. Uh, they, they won four, nothing over Pacific, uh, university of Pacific, uh, quite a tight doubles point. Uh, but they pretty much just completely swept through the singles. Um, they didn't have much, you know, worries at all. Uh, Elijah Cham, uh, Tom Pissane, and Alvin Tudorica uh, won their sets in straight sets or won their games in straight sets to secure the match victory for USF, which was a good thing that they did it so quickly because uh, David Torterra, Eric Carvelius, and Bruno Oliveira were uh, all in a very, very tight match. Uh, I think two of them were losing even. So, oh no. Good thing you won very quickly on uh, your singles courts. Um, I, I so I always wonder with when it comes to like their career stats, it's like it's unfinished. Oh man, guess I don't have to take that L. <laughs> it, no, really, it doesn't. Like they, it doesn't count for them mm-hmm. if they if they go unfinished. It's it's a strategic thing that all coach uh, tennis coaches will do sometimes. Legit, just um, got exercise. Right, just just run around for a little bit. Uh, next uh, on Sunday, they played uh, University of North Carolina Wilmington. A little bit of a tighter match, but they still won four to three. Um, they lost the doubles point, uh, unfortunately. Oh wait, no, sorry. Excuse me. It was tight. They won the doubles point. They won it, yeah. Yes, they won the doubles point. Um, Bruno Oliveira and uh, David Tortara uh, ended up securing the win for them there. Uh, David Tortara ended up winning his singles court as well, um, and at least a little bit of a tighter game at first, seven five six zero. Uh, Eric Gravelius lost on his Alvin Tudorica won on his Elijah Cham and Tom Pessane both lost their singles matches to draw it even three, three. And then, uh, Bruno Oliveira ended up winning the match for USF. So that's great. Um, and for, uh, David Tortera's efforts, uh, he is now ranked number 106 in the country. Um, that's still good. 
If you think tennis rankings are stupid, just wait. It's going to get even more stupider as the season goes on. So, yes, uh, number 106 in the country. So that is good to see that we are uh, team ranked. And then we have an individual that is ranked as well. Um, again, I expect there to be a, a higher ranking for the team and then a uh, potential another uh, player in the top as well. So um, I'm looking at Alvin. I think he's ready. Yeah, it might be Alvin. Um, so uh, next up, they have a game against UAB next Sunday, and uh, they have awkward amount of time off now. I think they're. Uh, I think spring break has something to do with this right now, uh, mm-hmm. for weird scheduling purposes. And then rapid firing tennis, uh, women's tennis also got a doubleheader sweep over the weekend to put them at seven and five up on the season. Uh, so they won two games up in Jacksonville. Uh, they won against VCU six to one. They won the doubles point. Vito. And they won the doubles point and then they won the game or yes. match, which is excellent. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Sierra Barry got that. And, and Grace Schumacher won six one. And that is a, a really good combination. It seems like they're always going out and winning in um, really good fashion there. Um, Marta Falsetto font and Ireland Simmer uh, won via forfeit. I always wonder what those like somebody get hurt or they're just like, I'm done. <laughs> so <laughs> VCU, um, I, I, I found this out the other, um, while I was looking through, uh, the, the live scores, they, one of the girls wasn't fit to play. Um, basically oh. they, so the VCU traveled with seven, um, and they didn't, the two girls, just one of them wasn't had like an ankle injury and just wasn't ready to go. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, they forfeited the doubles point there. So yeah, technically USF just needed to win one and, and they would get it. Um, and then uh, they they cruise in singles. Uh, so uh, Laura Pelissier was the lone blemish. Uh, she lost on court three, but then the rest of them, including a wash, uh, again won on forfeit because there was no one for court six. Um, Sierra Barry, Marta, Marta Falsetto Font, Ireland Semi, and Grace Schumacher rounded all out with a victory to uh, give USF a nice little uh, boost there. And uh, and then they rounded that out with the next day beating UNF and the battle of the Steed Kaplan abode, as I like to call it. Whenever ha- these happens two a lot play. with these uh, Olympic sports, it's just house yeah. divided. House divided. We actually fight each other. We punch each other in the face for a little bit. Um, <laughs> but in in normal uh, USF women's tennis fashion, they lost the doubles point, uh, but they were able to secure the victory in singles through a really gritty match. Um, Sierra Barry did finally lose a singles match. Uh, it just so happened to come up against probably one of the best players in the country. Um, UNF's Kit Giller. Uh, she is ranked number 85 in the country. She has won uh, 11 straight singles matches. She has won every single doubles point that she's been on. Uh, she has dropped three total sets the entire season so far. And that includes uh, wins over Auburn and Duke. So she's pretty good. Um, so Sierra Barry battled, but couldn't win it there. Um, Laura Pelissier, uh, Marta Falsetto Font, and then Grace Schumacher and Cleona Walsh won all of their singles courts to secure the victory for USF. Oh, now I see what you're saying. Um, to secure the win for USF. So again, a, a good doubleheader uh, victory for the Bulls there. And uh, next up, they have conference play for a little bit there. They'll play Cincinnati on Tuesday and then Wichita State on Thursday. Uh, so we'll see how this team stacks up against conference opponents. Vito, take golf. 
I'm going to do Please. one thing real quick because this is my reaction to uh, finding out that Sierra Berry lost a match. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 <laughs> it was quite upsetting. Did, I, you, I, did, did the audio come through? Oh, yeah, it did. Okay, that's good. I'm glad that worked out <laughs> the way I thought it did. Oh, man. That's, uh, yeah, so that, that was upsetting. But hey, they still won, which is good. And um, when, women's tennis, before you move on, sorry, I was paying, I was in gift world for a second. And then I just went to a YouTube video. Um, they're seven and five. Last year, uh, last season, they were, they finished the year seven and 16 and won their seventh game on April 21st. So it was a pretty remarkable turnaround from um, to 2021 to twenty. 21, 22 to 22, 23 is what I'll say. That That's actually really, really nice to see that. So women's golf. It, baby. Yes. Uh, they tied, they tied a 54 hole program record. I just, I had to figure out how that was worded. 55 hole program record at the Trinity forest invitational with an 852 score. Uh, final round 278 was third best 18 hole total in program history. The uprising baby. Hey, did you ever holes. Did, did you ever get texted back how to pronounce that one uh, player's name? Yeah, she. So I talked with Coach Erica. Uh, they were. I forgot that they were in the middle. Of their <laughs> just playing the match. It's like the, do not disturbs on. I hope <laughs> so. And uh, and and because they went from the Valspar tournament uh, to or the, excuse me, the Trinity Forest right into the Augusta. Uh, tournament like not even like a week later so i was like uh, i'll give i'll give coach erica a little bit of time <laughs> yeah i annoy her on this one again um but yeah so uh have fun with the pronunciations it'll be great we'll get her on the pods so she can make fun of me and my bad pronunciations uh so they finished third uh 12 under par uh, behind smu who was 24 under <laughs> wow and houston was 14 under uh Juliana Carmago finished fourth with uh, six under. Melanie Green, who's the number 76 player in the nation, by the way, tied for fifth, four under par. And Lauren Heinlein uh, tied for 10th with three under. And Alizy Vidal tied for 31st with two over. And Leonor Medeiros tied for 43rd with uh, five over. I'm going to start putting the, uh, the pronunciations in here. Uh, the Valspar Augusta Invitational. The third round was suspended. They finished ahead of number 16, Oki OK, uh, State, and number 24, Duke. Melanie Green tied for ninth, two under. Juliana Carmago uh, tied for 12th at even par. And Lauren Heinlein tied for 22nd at two over. Um, this is Melanie Green's seventh top 10 finish of the season. Again, she is very excellent at the golf. Uh, and next up, the last regular season tournament at the Chattanooga Classic, April 2nd through 4th. And then I imagine it's conference championship time. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, they'll they'll play uh, each other in a weird tournament, usually at a course that, um, like one one team's really really good at. It's their home course, and it's like okay, I guess everyone else co- everyone else is coming in second. Basically, yeah, that's. I mean, they really need to it, it, for a while, and it was funny for I think like four years they chose the uh, what is it? What's the what's the tournament in Tampa? Oh fuck, the Valspar Championship, wherever that is. I thought that, um, and they would sometimes play at, um, wow, in Palm Harbor. I can't. Yeah, you, we're we're talking about the two oh, of the same courses. They would yeah, they exactly. would play like the USF course, basically the USF yeah, yeah. course, and we were like, "Fuck yeah!" Like, Innisbrook. golf's great. Innisbrook, Innisbrook. Yes. 
they, we'd be like, fuck yeah, golf's great because we would win it every time. And then they like changed it to like Dallas, like just outside of Dallas and SMU started winning. Uh, that was when Bryson DeChambeau was there too. And I was like, fuck, stop playing it in Dallas, <laughs> anywhere else. <laughs> Go somewhere else. That's not a home court, <laughs> please. No, it's all, yeah. it's all fun. Um, I, I didn't write men's golf because men's golf is still growing on according to the live stats, um, which I golf's weird when it comes to their scoring, because technically they played two rounds today at the uh, Pinebrook uh, or the, the Pinehurst um, Ross collegiate classic. So, it, but it's still going on. So these scores are current, but the teams aren't playing because obviously it's, it's dark on the East coast. Mm. Um, and so they're like, the scores aren't finalized. And so they aren't posting the final scores of the second round yet. Cause they played first round and second round today, but as it currently stands, which is the weirdest thing I've ever said at nine 45 at night, talking about golf, uh, USF is second, uh, at this, uh, at the Ross collegiate classic. They are behind Loyola, Maryland. Um, USF is 10 under par, uh, Loyola, Maryland is 20 under par. So, um, you know, that's fun. Elon is right behind USF at nine under. And let me look at the player leaderboard real quick, because if he's still there, yes. Uh, Shivam Yaglin is, uh, tied or yeah, excuse me, tied fourth. He shot, he shot 69 twice today. Who that nice. is not the most beautiful thing in the world. Twice as nice, if you will. Uh, yeah, so the women, so they, 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 they do the Chattanooga Classic and then the American Athletic Conference Championship in Brooksville, Florida, Southern Hills Plantation Club, whoever wants to go, uh, April 17th to the 19th for the women. I didn't pull up the men because I didn't think we were talking about the men, but we're going to talk about the men. Uh, no, just, yes. uh, they'll, they'll play the uh, the final round tomorrow at um, in Pinehurst. We'll see if they can maintain second. Let's see if they can catch uh, a team that's 10 under par. Or excuse me, uh, twenty under par. That's fucking ridiculous. It's really hard to do. Any <laughs> any other circumstance, ten under, I'd be like, oh yeah, USF is crushing it. And they're in second. It's stupid. Oh okay, so that they have uh, they're in the Ross Collegiate. They have two more tournaments, and then April twenty first is the AAC Championship and the Pelican Golf Club in Bel Air, Florida. So both of them in Florida. That's pretty cool. Probably because of weather. Yep. I mean, can't beat it, especially now that it's darker or um, lighter um, later. All right, so we're going to talk about the bat sports. Bat sports, hit ball, hit ball far. Hit ball, okay. So baseball, two and two on the week, and they had their first true uh, road series, weekend road series as well on the other coast. Some would say the best coast, if you will. Um, so two and two is better than last last week for sure. Uh, so they're five and 11 overall. So still some work there, but again, still playing really, really good teams uh, according to RPI. So they beat Pitt two, two to one on Tuesday, who's a solid team. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> pitching staff heard us talking some, some, some crap last week because Nolan Hootie is the, uh, Huddy is the conference player of the week and he pitched a gem taking the start against Pitt. Six innings pits, five hits, one earned run, 10 Ks. And every time he, he got that strikeout, I, I, I assumed he did like the, um, I can't even think of the name anymore. Now they thought you're flipping out Steeg, you dummy. Vito, you jabron. Okay. They have a they have a picture of of me, Vito, Nate, and Seth in their dugout. And every time a pitcher throws a strike, they throw a tomato at us. Yep, on the wall. 
And it was great. Instead of the Ks, it's just tomatoes. Um, but the rest of the stuff, again, one to run, six sets and 14 strikeouts. It's a really good evening against a good pit team. Uh, Tanner Mink pitched two and collected three more strikeouts. Riley Skeen got the save. So that was a good win. Um, Hootie surrendered a home run with two outs and two strikes on top of the first and fo- uh, followed up with a single. And instead of the wheels falling off or having a situation where you start getting behind, he uh, locked down. So that's actually really, really good to see. And uh, you know, things with starting pitchers, uh, really any, any pitcher as well, once you start getting that going, Kenny Powers, Seth Varnador with the, I don't know why I could not remember eastbound, eastbound and down. Kenny Powers, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yes. So that's what I was going for. What a great, what a great. What a great fella. I don't have a uh, fucking clue what you're talking about at all. I couldn't even. Okay. Well, well I'll have to show you a YouTube video. I'm not going to pull it up because it's just like, it's mostly expletive laden. Uh, probably came out a while ago. Uh, so uh, Bobby Bozer uh, got an RBI single to score. Uh, got an RBI single in the sixth, followed up by John Montez sack bunt to bring it to 2-1. Classic midweek baseball, either a hits fest or a nothings fest as our... Uh, as our friend Nathan Bond always says, midweek baseball is so fun because you never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates. Okay, so for the weekend, they traveled to Long Beach State over the weekend, which I did not realize that their uh, their mascot was the is it the dirt bags? So they're so they're they don't like they're called their thing isn't the dirt bags, but their baseball team is called the dirt bags. I, they're okay. the Long Beach. They go by something else, but they they like they have like a historic uh, baseball program. Yeah. Um, Didn't they win the, or get close to a national champ? Anyway, but I saw dirt like just so casually up there. It's like the dirtbacks game has been postponed. Like, oh, okay. Uh, um, so uh, uh, their their original scheduled game that on uh, Friday got postponed to Saturday with a doubleheader on Sunday um, because of weather. So. It was a long, a long outing waiting to see if they're going to play that Friday game, but they decided to delay it to Saturday. So uh, game one, because of the delay, Bulls lost eight to nothing. Ethan Brown got the start, 4.2 innings pitch, three hits, three and runs, five Ks. Uh, you know, could be a lot worse, but then Bulls, Bulls then used six more pitchers um, uh, and they combined for six and runs, nine hits, 11 strikeouts, over nine innings of work for seven combined pitchers. But offensively, the Bulls couldn't do anything. And I imagine they ran into a, pretty darn good ace on their staff who I just got to see this because I'm pretty sure the number was. Yeah. So the, um, the, the starter went seven innings pitch, two hits, nine, nine K's. The bull struck out 12 total times. So love that. It's tough. Um, found this out. I should have known this. Uh, Long beach state does not have like, there's no thing. It's not like USF bulls. It's just long beach state. They've gone by the, they, they go by the beach. <laughs> So like I I wish I was I'm, this is great no I love that what a bit I'm, I'm I'm taking the 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 Wikipedia article verbatim one can see the cheer go beach written on many CSULB products written around campus and on the large water tower uh, they are informally known as the 49ers um, oh. Well, informally fun. this it, that's yeah. like the old 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 it's like the brahmins basically um mm. but yeah their their baseball team continues to go by the dirt bags so, i love yes. that that that's incredible i actually also, love that have different names for each of your sports depending like especially if you're like the, the the sport that does the most like sailing should just be like yeah we're not the bulls we're the sailing bulls uh yeah i <laughs> yeah I, I was gonna try to i was gonna say sea cows but that didn't work Manatees. Um, 
something about um, manatees. Yeah. Uh, also, whoever whoever scheduled this, uh, actually, I know who scheduled this, so I'm not going to talk too much yet. Uh, worst weekend to decide to schedule this ever between the weather, the time change, and everything else that was going on. That game starting at 9 p.m. East, that that game started at 9 p.m. Eastern. I was yeah. like, <laughs> that game ended at I think 11:45 p.m. Oh, it's tough. I was, I was sleepy. It's like when football played BYU and it was like the game ended at 1 a.m. over here. Um, so uh, game two, Bulls lost again. Uh, what was the score, Stieg? Eight nothing. Again. Eight nothing. How do you even do that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And they had the same amount of hits? <laughs> I thought okay. it was a typo. I thought that I thought I thought USA just uploaded the same stat sheet twice and just called it a day. Um, lo- no, oh my gosh, okay. it was almost identical. Yeah, the uh, the Bulls also only had two hits in this game, and they gave up eight hits. I, I swear to God. Okay, yep, they struck out fourteen times. <laughs> Their starter, uh, Nico Zeglin, seven innings pitched, zero hits, zero runs, one walk, thirteen strikeouts. Wow, <laughs> and they pulled him while he had a uh, a no hitter going on. Uh, sorry, that's just impressive. When you see like a good pitching um, performance like that, it's just impressive. Um, that's all I got. Uh, Hunter Mink got the start, three innings pitch, five hits, seven run, six earned, two strikeouts. You when you're down six nothing in the first inning, there's really not much you can do about that, especially when you strike out 14 times um, against what I imagine to be a very good Long Beach State um, pitching staff and across the country. But the third game, I did two. The third game. The Bulls came back and won. They were able to get that third game, uh, and they won six to two. And they collected eleven hits. I mean, if they could have like spread those out a little bit, maybe something happens. But eleven hits is fine. I like that. Uh, John Montez hit a home run. Uh, Jack Siebert got the start and his first win of the year. Seven innings pitch, five hits, one run, uh, one walk, and three Ks. Just a, a casual day. Um, and. Yeah, uh, Riley Skeen got the save again. Two innings pitch, one hit, three strikeouts. Bulls pounced quickly to a to a four a four nothing lead in the first inning, and it was pretty much all gravy at that point. Uh, Nelson Rivera with, with two RBI uh, a two RBI double in the first, followed by Travis Sankovic with a two RBI single, and Drew Butcher added an RBI single in the second. So the bats were able to come alive for the third game, which is good. Um, Dirtbags home run in, in the fifth to make it five one, um, and John Montez answered with his homer in the ninth to add insurance. Just to say goodbye to the West Coast. Uh, got dicey at the end. Error allowed a routine ground out to end the game. Score a runner to make it 6-1 and two runners in scoring position. But they were able to get the final out. Uh, so next up, we have Tuesday and Wednesday versus Dartmouth. And a weekend series versus Army. And I'm not going to say what Stieg said next because that's how you jinx them. But hey, winnable games yes. here can get some good momentum going. He says before they go 0-6. <laughs> right, five. of course. I'm just kidding. Um, and I will say, uh, the the obviously the West Coast, you know, thing is true. Traveling from you know Tampa, Florida to uh, Long Beach is is no you know small feat for a team to play weekend series. Uh, this is a really good Long Beach uh, State team. They are nine and five on the year. They took two of three against Wichita State. They beat East Carolina in East Carolina, um, at number nine East Carolina. Let me rephrase mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're good. They're a good team. They're a historically good program. Um, our uh, I don't want to call him friend of the blog, but I'm going to refer to him as um, someone I'm going to reference as a friend of the blog. Uh, John Kaplan, who helps out with Bruin at McEwen, guys. Um, Gonzaga is the only team in the nation with a harder strength of schedule than USF thus far in this young baseball season. Uh, this 
this is finally, and I, I said the what I said in the um, in our uh, talk track here for a reason. Um, but it, they're finally getting a, a little bit of reprieve here um, against Dartmouth and Army. Uh, I don't think Dartmouth has won a baseball game. I'm jinxing the shit out of them. Is what I'm doing. Yeah, you, that's um, what you're doing. But um, just just stating facts, Dartmouth hasn't won a baseball game this this year yet, um, according to what I looked at earlier. And uh, Army started hot, but has come down to earth pretty quickly. Um, again, according to the Brewer and McEwen guys, and again, just stating facts here. So um, there is a chance for USF to continue a little bit of positive momentum here. So here's something weird because I just looked this up. I didn't believe this. Um, so USF climbed from 119 to 110 in RPI after their uh, couple wins this week. Long Beach State fell from 108 to 133. <laughs> the USF effect, baby. I, I man, I got to imagine that. That's what happened there. That is funny. Okay, so they're not as high in RPI as I originally expected. Well, I knew they were one. I knew they were above USF to start, but I didn't realize that they fell that much just by losing to them one game after, you know, beating them 16 to nothing in two of them. Uh, but yeah, the time changes always affect you and, and, and just the, the games being suspended. You're trying to keep your arm warm. You're trying to get ready. And all of a sudden, Nope, go back to, go back to the hotel, go to sleep. Let's do it again tomorrow at 11 AM. Speaking of powering through, you know, I got this one. I'm going to power through this one. Yep. World baseball, world baseball classics about to start. We got to go. Yeah. <laughs> Softball. Um, let's do it. <laughs> Softball went four and two over the week. Uh, they are 15 and 12 overall in this season. Uh, on Tuesday, they had a double get double header against UPenn. Uh, they won both games in extra innings in uh, walk off fashion. In awesome. walk off fashion, which was fantastic. Um, I'm not going to go through the games themselves, but USF uh, did a lot of battling in these games. They found themselves in a hole uh, early in the first game, six nothing. Were able to claw back and win that. Um, they were down two nothing at the top of the first and the second game. We're able to claw out of that one uh, after blowing a lead too. Uh, but uh, overall, they beat uh, UPenn in game one six to five in eight innings, and they beat them seven to eight or seven to six in eight innings uh, shortly thereafter, which is just hilarious. Uh, that is the first time that USF has walked off an opponent twice in the same day. That is going to be one of those really weird facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that no one is ever going to get in, in USF trivia in 2072. <clears throat> I'll, I'll, I'll give you a short reprieve here. So that, that was a good day. Uh, on Thursday, they lost 2-3 to three to Penn State. So not not Penn. Uh, Bulls led 2 nothing after five innings. Uh, they were looking good. Emily Hanlon, RBI single in the third. Rian Eggenman? Eggenman? Uh, hmm. RBI single in the fourth. Gave up three runs in the sixth to lose the game. That's where you not want to... You don't want to give up runs there. Uh, but Peyton Dixon pitched a complete game. Um, and again, she's still looking good. One hit and three unearned runs, five walks, three strikeouts. Uh, Friday, they lost zero to four to Illinois. Gave up three runs in the second, one in the one in the sixth. Jaden Martinez got the start. Five innings pitch, seven hits, four runs, only one earned. So there's some errors that uh, plagued the Bulls there. One strikeout, just couldn't get it going offensively. No biggie. It happens. What are you going to do? So Saturday, they get to play Illinois again because that's how these things work. Revenge, 2-1 victory. Peyton Dixon came in with the start, and when Peyton Dixon is starting to pitch, probably going to be a complete game. So another complete game for her. Four hits, one one unearned run. Again, unearned. Four strikeouts. Uh, Sack bunt by Illinois in the fourth to get a 1-0 lead. Then Haley Bryant had an RBI single, and Megan Piero RBI triple in the fifth to to win. So they literally flipped the script on um, uh, 
their previous misfortunes. So uh, Saturday, there was a win, a, a 2-0 win versus Marist. Jaden Martinez with a start and win. Five innings pitch, two hits, five strikeouts. You're lo- really looking like you're having a nice little one-two punch there. Um, <laughs> it says Peyton Fixon, but I imagine it's Peyton Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I With typed the these very quickly in the early morning. <laughs> uh, two innings pitch, one strikeout. So Peyton Dixon's getting Ws and getting saves. How great is that? Mega Piro, sack fly again in the fifth. And Rian Eigenman, sack fly in the sixth. I'm going to get that one right one of these days. I will pass it back on to you to wrap up St. Francis. Yes, Peyton, Peyton fixing to get this dub. Uh, we're going to go in on that one in a second <laughs> oh, here. That was amazing. Um, Sunday, they played St. Francis University. Uh, fun fact, SFU versus USF. That was fun to see. Uh, quite an action packed first, uh, USF won this game nine to six. Uh, it was four to three after the first inning. Um, Marissa Triple Peace, Haley Bryant, Megan Piera, and Kathy Garcia Soto all, uh, well, didn't really score runs. Um, let me respect that. Marissa Triple Peace and Haley Bryant, uh, both got RBIs to, uh, get Bulls, um, two runs there. Megan Piero drew a bases loaded walk, and then Car- Kathy Garcia Soto got a sack ground out. Uh, Fielder's choice to give USF four runs there. Uh, they added two more on a throwing error, which I thought was just the. F- I, I I relooked up the play by play to see what happened, and it was uh, just going to be a normal you know shortstop to first baseman, and the shortstop <laughs> fucking skied this bitch. I mean, hit would have hit a fucking foam dome if they uh, if they didn't have that net there. Um, but the throwing error resulted in two runs um, to give USF a six to three lead. Uh, St. Francis uh, clawed their way back into the game six, uh, six in the fifth uh, before Kathy Garcia. Soto got an RBI ground out to make it seven, six, basically the game winning run. Uh, they added insurance later on. Uh, Antoinette Hill got the start. Uh, she pitched uh, two thirds of an inning, <laughs> gave up four hits, three earned run and one strikeout. Uh, Jada Martinez got them out of that jam, um, was able to get a hit and three strikeouts. Peyton Dixon, uh, again, statistically got the win because of when she came in and where USF was at in the game. Uh, she got, technically got the win, uh, two innings pitched. She gave up seven hits and three earned runs. I have never, ever seen a stat line in a win like that. Um, and then Vivia Pond got the save to innings pitch one strikeout to close out the game. We're going to talk about Peyton Dixon a lot in the future uh, when we get more time and we're not in such big crossover season. But Peyton Dixon is really, really, really good at um, yeah at the bad bitches, Heath. Um, Peyton Dixon, really good. She She's a redshirt freshman for USF this year. Uh, she is just she's incredible. She got five wins over the over the week there. Um, she has a 1.47 ERA, a 1.11 whip. And, uh, yeah, she's, she's now the new ace for the program that mm-hmm. far fine none. Um, we heard such good things about her from, uh, Georgina Cork and Ken Erickson at the beginning of the season. And we're finally seeing the fruits of, uh, you know, their good fortunes. And the reason why I wanted to make sure to clarify, uh, a lot of the hits and runs and everything and earned runs there, uh, was because, uh, USF has two pitchers with below a uh, 1.5 ERA, but they're giving up a lot of runs because a lot of these things are unearned. A lot of them are, are errors that are resulting in runs and, you know, sack flies and sack bonds and everything like that. So um, just some defensive uh, inefficiencies that are happening with USF's team, um, but they're sitting pretty uh, good right now. They have, uh, they're not last in the conference, 
Uh, they're kind of middle of the table, which I think is a pretty fair assessment for USF softball this year is to kind of be middle of the table, maybe that third team, maybe that fifth team, you know, kind of bounce um, up and down. Um, I'm going to just say this now. Uh, hashtag Memphis, not last. Hashtag not last. Memphis, bad sports are really fucking bad. Um, they're like four and 16 in softball. And I think they won like one game in baseball. Um, Ooh, I forgot. Yeah, Memphis had a baseball team. Yeah. <laughs> right. being honest. Um, but uh, not to be outdone. Um, USF uh, has a, another really good pitcher behind her. True freshman, Jaden Martinez. Uh, she is two and two on the year with 1.01 ERA. Um, again, they're giving up runs. They're just not earned, uh, which is uh, a weird thing. Um, we haven't seen much of Gabriella Nori. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe she is injured, uh, which kind of segues into coming up next. Uh, they have a double header against Jacksonville on Wednesday. And then they have the South Florida showdown because they need another name for a tournament. Uh, they play Lehigh, uh, which is Gabrielle Nori's uh, former university, Texas, Marist, Iowa. And then they play Texas again on that Sunday. So they got a, uh, a quick little weekend there at the <laughs> South Florida showdown. Fuck, they just go through the source at that point, don't they? All of them. Just just all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yep, not touching that. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's really good to be able to see that they look like they have a pretty decent one-two punch uh, uh, for the pitchers. And I know that this is always tough when you lose an ace pitcher, especially when historically good as Georgina Cork to figure out what happens the next season. So it's looking like they are starting to settle on in. So look forward to see the rest of the season, especially going to conference play. But yes, we will make sure that uh, Peyton Dixon gets her due as um, we start moving past having to do all the sports. Okay, so um, USF Sailing. Finished 11th out of 12th St. Mary's race, race, only raced on Saturday, no race on Sunday because there was no wind. It's normally, normally, I mean, I guess you need wind for sailing. I didn't really consider that one. Uh, next up's the Duplin women's team race in Medford, Massachusetts on March 25th and 26th. And again, we're going to bring in to, we're going to learn a little more about sailing one of these days because there's, that, that that's got to be a lot of, like, there's a lot of factors there. But moving on, track and field. We're going to talk about our national champions, Steve. We're going to talk about our national champions, baby. We're going to talk about national champions, baby. National champions. Let's go. Oh, man. Um, Yeah, so USF sent two uh, athletes to the uh, NCAA indoor uh, championships this past week. Uh, Naya Robinson uh, competed on the first day. She competed in the long jump. Uh, She finished 13th in uh, in that. um, Jesus. In that event, um, which 13th sounds bad, uh, but consider that to be 13th best in the country. Um, in fact, her jump uh, was 6.03 meters. If she did the same jump that she did at the AAC championships, which qualified her for the NCAA championships, um, she would have been, I think, second. And if I'm recalling the stats correctly on the top of my head, because the uh, the chick from UF uh, set like a uh, like broke like a world record or something like that. She jumped like Ooh. 6.72 um, and Nia Robinson jumped like a 6.62 or something like that. Like historically uh good jump to win a national championship, which is what you always want to do, which, Hey, <laughs> Vito, what happened in the high jump? The high jump is our favorite jump with our, our good friend, Romaine Beckford, The guy that is literally undefeated all season, and every time he would break a new record, probably owns half of the records in the USF record book. 
got a uh, became a national champion by winning the high jump at 2.24 meters. First ever national champion NCAA in, indoor for USF. First not- national champion for USF since John Dennis in 1993 in outdoor 5K. Um, both um, Romaine Beckford and Nia Robinson both named at to USTF CCA All American team. Romaine first, Nia second. So Romaine Beckford put some respect on the name. He has been killing it all season. A really great guy, a, like really great to watch. And 2.24 meters is jumping very, very high. Goddamn. So um, yeah. some would say the bay is jumping. Would they, Steve? So, some would say that. Um, so now, uh, now and forevermore, we we no longer can refer to him as Romaine Beckford. It is now national champion Romaine Beckford. Always as fairly as it can be. Um, and this doesn't even include the fact that they haven't even started competing in the outdoor championships, um, you know, here in the next couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. something to uh, look forward to uh, in the next couple of weeks. Track and field is nowhere even close. Done. Baby, they got they got time. We got we got some events to go through. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of room for improvements, but also uh, a lot of opportunity for USF to, uh, you know, bring in bring in even more hardware. Uh, back for this program that deservedly needs to be better than it is and is getting there, which is something that we uh, are proud of as alumni of this university. So Vito, we're almost at an hour. That was pretty good for mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of information to go through with. And went through a coaching search. We did it we all. Went through a co- we did everything. Jeez. We, God, we're so good at this. All right. Um, <laughs> no, you fellas and Bellas, you know what? We both had the same fell and Bella because it was pretty. It was pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean, well, special shout out to Nolan Hoodie for winning uh, the conference player of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fantastic. There, uh, Trevor, uh, Trevor Sankovic uh, again, fantastic. Uh, played well. A lot of the softball players played well. Haley Bryant um, comes to mind. She had an outstanding weekend. But two unbelievable performances deserve two unbelievable shout outs. National champion Romaine Beckford is, of course, going to be the fella of the week. I mean, just putting national champion in front of anyone's name is is fantastic. Um, that is great to put USF on the map as well. And then Peyton Dixon just, I put it, Peyton Dixon is just really fucking good at softball. <laughs> it, it's really good to see her come into her own because I know for a while I was like, who's going to take the reins? And um, 18 innings pitched this past week, 20 Ks. And that doesn't include the 9 K she had against army last Tuesday or last Monday, uh, right before we did our show. So she did that. And then uh, that first game against Penn, uh, she started as well. So 18 innings pitch and 20 Ks in a week. That's not, that's not too shabby. A couple dubs and a save. That's great. Just put her in when you need her. Um, yeah. So overall, uh, you know, I, I think this week is what we can categorize as, as it was a, a really good week for USF. Um, you know, I, I think the ends justified the means the entire way through. Um, yes. USF men's basketball lost, but we get to do a new coaching search. Mm-hmm. Yes. USF women's basketball lost, but we deservedly get seated the way that we probably should have. Um, so it all, it all works out in the end. And now you get to get bumped in the first and second round against uh, South Carolina. Have fun with that. Yep. Mm, that should be fun. Exciting. But be Marquette. Hopefully. I think that's it. We got some baseball to watch or maybe it's time to go to bed. I don't know. 10, 15. I looked at my watch and I forgot that I run and I had my watch set to kilometers and it said nine fifteen, And I was very confused. I 
Yeah, no, we're good. Uh, it's 10, 15 kilometers. It's, I time love for, it. it's time for us to go to bed. And I will bid you all adieu because I will be back April 11th because I'm going to be missing the next three weeks. Stieg is going to run the show and that's going to be very exciting. I'm excited to see what he does. And by that, I mean the day after because I'll be asleep. So for the, for the first time in about a month, Vendiamo i Toro. How long have you been practicing that? Duolingo is actually pretty damn good, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Go Bulls. We'll have press, a good trip, Vito. Oh, will do. And I'll uh, see you on the flippity flop. Arrivederci.